Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Today is January 25th, 2022, and we're psyched to have Ty Wheeler as our guest tonight. The goals here are pretty simple, bringing great guests and trying to mine as much gold as possible for them in 30 to 40 to 60 to 70 minutes, short, sweet, and deep. Um, unfortunately, Joey couldn't be here tonight, so Jeff, myself, and Lane will be uh, on the mic. And, uh, and how are you doing today, Ty? Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, chat for a little bit. Yeah, we're stoked to have you on, man. Thank you so much for, for giving us some time and, and energy. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're currently Lieutenant at Johnson Grimes Metropolitan Fire Department in Iowa. Yep. Uh, I've been on there since 2011. Um, started there as a paid on call um, firefighter. And then three years ago in 2019, I was promoted to Lieutenant. Um, and pretty much have been involved with every aspect of the organization since. I've been on the training committee, um, training division, prevention division, special ops. So right now I'm the, uh, the director or the health and safety officer right now. So that's my big, big push currently there. Awesome. And uh, so in addition to your years at Johnson Grimes, you also uh, you have a total of 13 years on the job? Yep. So I started uh, in a small small town in uh, Eastern Iowa when I was in high school, actually, um, in 2008, 2009, um, and then been on ever since. All right, so you're a third generation uh, fireman and you also got a brother there. What's it like um, working with your brother and what's, uh, where was uh, your, your dad and your, your, your grandfather on at? What's their history? So I'll, I'll get into this a little bit during the question stuff, but yeah, so I missed out on the four generations by eight months, I think. Um, I was born in 1989, so, so was my brother, Ryan. So missed out on that four generation, but yeah, my uh, grandpa was a, was a fire chief um, on our volunteer department back home. My dad as well, and that's kind of where our passion, we were around the firehouse all the time, um, you know, having the pancake breakfast, going up and seeing, um, going to calls, things like that. So we were always around it um, and it just kind of grew on us. And that's now why we are where we're at, I guess. You know, it's, it's really cool to work with your brother on the same job. Um, it's made us a lot closer uh, and it's something that we, we enjoy doing. Unfortunately, we can't be on the same shift um, just because I'm promoted and he's currently not. Um, but it's still, it's still good to be able to have somebody there that can be, um, a sounding board sometimes and know exactly what you're talking about. So it's been, it's been fun. You're also a co-owner with your brother of rogue training and consulting. Can you guys give, or can you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what you guys do and, and how busy you guys have been? Sure. So rogue was kind of, uh, created based off of, not that we wanted to, but based off of a need, we uh, were asked to do a training for a small department um, three years ago. So we went and did that, uh, went really well. Another department asked us, approached us, said, hey, can you do something similar for our department? So we agreed and said, sure. And, and uh, when it came time for the, the old payment aspect of the, of the business, um, they were pretty adamant that it couldn't be the check couldn't be made out to an individual. So like, well, we need an LLC or something to, to write the check to. So rogue wasn't something that we necessarily set out to do. It's just something that kind of happened. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, 
how things happen in the fire service, uh, word of mouth. And we've been going for three years now and it's been clicking along pretty, pretty, uh, rapidly. Um, so we have a state contract with the, um, the fire service training bureau here in Iowa. So any volunteer department and some professional departments can get free training through us. Um, that's funded by, a volunteer training fund that we have in Iowa. So um, that's pretty cool that, that we have that opportunity to go out and train people. And, and, you know, it's, it's not a financial burden for them, which we, we obviously enjoy, you know, we're not, we're not here to make a bunch of money. We're not here to get rich off of a, a side business. Um, our goal for rogue was always try to provide the best quality training that we can. Uh, because one time in Iowa's fire service history, we used to be, um, the echelon of the fire service. And, and unfortunately that went away. Um, and we're definitely trying to bring that back. So what we do is, you know, we do hands-on trainings, um, is our, is our main focus. Um, obviously we have lectures and things like that, um, that we, uh, we can go out and do, obviously we'll talk about Eau Claire here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's the gist of what we do. We do a little consulting as far as apparatus specs, host specs, um, kind of stuff like that so perfect you mentioned that at one point iowa was kind of the pinnacle of the fire service uh, are mm -hmm. you referring to like royer and nelson or what were you what were you getting at there yeah i think um i, I was and obviously you know a lot, quite a bit about that for being a iowa state alum um when the iowa iowa state had the fire extension office you know they had we had a pretty deep history of of um research and uh, education in, in the fire service uh, nationally. Uh, at one point, I even believe um, FDIC, which it was formerly called, was actually based out of Iowa, I believe, in its inception. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we were we were pretty notorious in the fire service for coming up with Royer and Nelson and the research and some of the stuff that we had going on back then. And, and unfortunately, that kind of went away. Yeah, Ty. And uh, yeah, you guys have been definitely making a huge impact across the state and uh, continuing outside states as well. Um, and also making an impact in other areas. You, you're actually a, a, one of the founders and past president of the Dam Pools, the Des Moines Area Metro Pools. Yep. So uh, 2017, I believe, 2016, somewhere in there. Um, me, my brother, and a few other uh, passionate firefighters in the Des Moines metro area, uh, we wanted to share share the brotherhood and kind of uh, you know get that get that aspect of the craftsmanship back. Um, so we decided that we were going to start a fools chapter here locally. Um, we named it the Des Moines Area Metro Fools or the Damn Fools for short because we thought that was hilarious. Um, recently. This past year, I gave up the president spot just because I got so busy with with other things um, that I could no longer give the attention that I needed. Um, so I handed that off to some other pretty passionate and solid dudes in the area, and uh, hopefully they'll continue with our annual conference and, and some of the trainings that we've been doing in the last few years. Hey man, I think you guys do a great job. How many people since your inception um, you think you've you've trained through through your fools organization? 
Oh man. Um, so our annual conference, we usually get about a hundred per, and I think we've had, well, with COVID, I think we've had three or four conferences. So maybe up to 500 people or so, um, roughly. No, that's great, man. Definitely, definitely making an impact in your, your section of, of the world. <clears throat> um, you are a, uh, learned man. Uh, you hold a <laughs> master's in organizational leadership from Waldorf. Yes. Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll get to claim that title here soon, but yeah, that is, that is something that, um, I truly believe in. And, um, it's something that I, I, we all talk, we were going to talk about values here in a little bit or principles or whatever, when I talk about leadership stuff, but like, that's one of my, my core principles is, is continued learning and continued growth. And I understand like, experience is important and stuff like that, but you also have to have a knowledge base to go along with that. Um, so yeah, I got my master's in organizational leadership from Waldorf, uh, let's see, 2019, I think I graduated. Um, it really opened my eyes to culture, leadership, um, and, and how that needs to develop inside an organization. Um, you know, organizational psychology is so huge with how we, we do things um, within any, any organization, not just the fire service, but any company that wants to be successful, you, you got to understand organizational psychology. Um, and I figured, you know, it's great to have all these degrees in fire specific stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're dealing with people every day and I can make an impact if I know how to understand and deal with people to get them headed in the right direction. So that's why my pursuit of organizational leadership took place. Uh, I has I have an emphasis in public administration, so you know maybe one day somebody's gonna give me a bunch of money to manage, which would be scary. But um, yeah, love what you said there about how you appreciate like getting a degree in fire science and and all those kind of fire centric ones, but you wanted to get out of that bubble. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. I think that the more people that do that, the more uh, the broader our base, our knowledge base will be as a service. And I think that will only lead to, to good things for everybody. Um, but speaking of fire specific training, you went through NFA's uh, managing officer program as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So there was a, uh, my former Lieutenant at the time, um, really dedicated to training as well and getting those, those, uh, those designations. And he kind of turned me on to this managing officer program. Um, and I, it's, it's a, it's a program that I would highly endorse, um, and something that I really enjoyed. Uh, we had a cohort, I think of, let's see, 40 of us. And so like that group has truly become, become close knit. We still talk to each other, um, via messaging apps, uh, you know, um, if they're, if some of them are, you know, driving through the state on vacation, if we're out at FDIC or any other conference, um, we usually meet up and, and keep that bond and that brotherhood and sisterhood alive. And uh, the class is obviously good. There's great information in the class, um, learning from some of the best in the, in the country. Um, but I thoroughly enjoy going out to the National Fire Academy, specifically for the people in, in building that network. You know, we had, we had guys on the biggest organization in the world with guys on the smallest, not the smallest, but a volunteer department, you know, in in rural Kansas or, or what have you. Um, 
it's just cool that the type of people that that you you meet and that you get to network with and you really get to talk to they have the same problems no matter where they are how big their organization um or where they're at location wise it's it's uh i would highly recommend and do highly recommend um that anybody really pursue um the managing officer program Perfect. You're also a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NCSA. I know fitness is huge for you. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? So in, oh shoot, it was like 20, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. Um, I approached our, our deputy chief of operations at the time. And I said, Hey, you know, fitness is a passion of mine. We obviously have an issue in the American fire service with health and wellness and, you know, line of duty deaths. I'm like, I, I think we need to do something here um, to start addressing this, it, these issues at, at our level. And uh, he goes, okay, what, what do you need to make it happen? And this was one of the certifications that I, um, I suggested and the department's like, okay, tell us, tell us how much it is. We'll fully fund it. Um, and they did that. Um, I went and did a, a self-study course through the National Strength and Conditioning Association, took the tests, uh, got certified, um, and kind of started started my journey um, kind of there. Obviously, I had a passion before for fitness just because of the, you know, the hazards of the job. But that's where it all kind of, I started putting it together a little bit, a little bit more, um, you know, and then just to, to kind of develop myself a little bit more. I actually got a uh, part-time job at a, um, at a adult and school um, performance, um, performance lab or performance um, facility called engineered performance. Uh, so I worked there for about a year uh, dealing with um, adult fitness, but also dealing with college and high school athletes. So that was pretty cool to see um, how different the different age groups really make an impact on how you train people. Uh, you know, I just didn't want to be one of those people that just had a certificate that said, Hey, I'm, I'm certified to do this, but not really have any, um, you know, applicable knowledge or experience doing that. So, um, I went there and I'm actually going back to help them out while they're looking for, um, a new strength and conditioning coach. So I'm gonna be doing that some more as well. And it's something I really enjoy is, is getting to interact with athletes who are trying to make it on the big stage. We have, that location has athletes um, who are in the NFL, who are in the NBA, playing high-level college um, sports. One actually won Big Ten Softball Player of the Year two years ago, I think. Um, so we really get to deal with a wide range of, of athletes, and that's really cool atmosphere and environment to be around, ones that are truly dedicated to human performance. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And probably the last, but probably the most important part of, of, of your bio is uh, <clears throat> you're a dedicated husband. Yes. Uh, 2013, I was married um, to my uh, wife, Alyssa. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing that you really can't replace. You know, that family, family goes above everything in life. Um, you know, we're, we're working on a family, uh, having kids and stuff. Uh, hasn't happened yet, but uh, I'm sure that's that's going to be on its way here shortly. So uh, that's why I get to do all the fun stuff now, <laughs> because as kids come, as you guys know, uh, things are going to have to take take a backseat sometimes. So 
Yeah, uh, family is important to me, important to my wife, and uh, hopefully that's something that we can continue to grow over over our upcoming years. So, well, thank you for that uh, for that bio right there, and uh, just just to to reiterate the importance of family. I got a chance to go spend some time with you a couple of years ago at the Damn Fools Conference, and met not only your wife and your brother, but also your mom and your dad. So it truly was a family affair and, and great family. Yeah, they are, they are more supportive um, than I could hope to imagine. They, they're always there for us, whatever we need, you know? So I live three hours away from my parents. Uh, my dad drove three hours down here, took two hours to install a gas line for me so I can have my garage heated when I worked out and then drove home on a Friday. So uh, it's pretty awesome, uh, the support that we have and their willingness to do literally whatever we may need of them. So it's, uh, it's I could not be more appreciative of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Big shout out to mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're all big fans of your writing uh, and you've had numerous articles published over the years and even more blog posts uh, on your Rogue website. So first of all, for our listeners, if you've never been to roguetrainingconsulting.com, please do yourself a favor and check out this deep rabbit hole. And then second, uh, in your writings, you cover everything from fitness to engine work to engine spec to leadership and training, et cetera. Is there one piece that you're the most proud of? Not, not particularly. I think the first article I ever wrote um, is one that I'm, I'm pretty proud of because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea the process, uh, what you and how you're supposed to write. And it actually was published in the physical copy of Fire Rescue magazine when that was still being published. Um, and that was called breathing, uh, breathing on borrowed time. And it just talks about, uh, VO two max and cardiorespiratory fitness for firefighters. So that one, I think is always going to be a little bit more special, um, for me just cause it was the first one. Uh, but really my writings are a little bit based out of frustration. Um, sometimes, you know, a spark of inspiration, um, you know, we could be sitting at a firehouse and just having a conversation. I'm like, that would be pretty interesting to write about. And, and so I do. Um, it's more or less an outlet for me. Some, some of the stuff I will say uh, on our website, you can obviously have drafts or whatever before you publish stuff. And there's some in there that I probably will never publish because probably not the most appropriate things to write. Um, but it's, it's truly a, an avenue for me to express myself hopefully in a constructive way, um, hopefully give people insight into some of the things that, that I either deal with, dealt with, my perspective on things, uh, my opinion. You know, I, I don't write to please people. Like, I don't, I don't care if you don't like smoothbores, but I'm gonna write about them because I like them. Um, and I think there's knowledge and in, in data to prove that. Um, you know, one, one article that I, I do like um, is uh, the debate that really isn't which was all about the smoothbore um, because I, I like those. I like where I can make titles pretty funny and, and uh, maybe make some people mad in the process, but there's nothing really specifically that one certain one that sticks out. The nozzle nerd series for me was, was fun to write. Um, trying to think of every single aspect of engine work. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just uh, something that I just love doing. Well, Ty, and we love that you're doing it. It's uh, awesome knowledge that you're sharing with us. And uh, kind of staying on the topic of writing articles and then going back to previous, combining it with previous topic of strength and conditioning, 
with your certifications that you have. You uh, wrote one of our favorite uh, kind of series articles for fire engineering, the four foundations of tactical fitness. Um, that was back in 2016, 17. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what sparked you to write those? Yeah, so um, I have to admit, I haven't been writing as much as I, I would like to right now, and hopefully I get back on that wagon. But the the four foundations of tactical fitness came about because I wrote a I wrote an article, the first article, um, which just kind of briefly brushes over uh, the four foundations. So it talks about strength, conditioning, recovery, and mobility. And as I was, as I was contemplating that, you know, it's, we as a fire service don't and can't train like the average athlete for the most part, you know, we can't, we can't make sure that, that we're going to go and, and get our eight hours of sleep every night. And, you know, we can't be on a program that is specifically for bodybuilding or what have you. Uh, we as an industry have a pretty unique uh, requirements for our job. So that, that tactical fitness is, is hugely important. And one that I, I think a lot of people really don't understand how much different we are than just grabbing your, oh, it's bench day to day, or it's, it's back day to day or bicep day to day. Like we, we can't do that because um, that's not the, the environment we operate in. So we need to replicate the things that we do every day. And I, th I found that there was a huge disconnect during that. So I kind of dove in a little bit more and, and wrote an article for each one of those. Um, so it was, a, it was a series of five total. So I go into strength, how to program strength, um, programming your conditioning, different types of conditioning, uh, how to recover, and then obviously the importance of mobility, which is one I, I personally struggle with. Um, you know, every day we come to work and we have significant risks and threats to our well-being. And I didn't like seeing how many people were, were dying of, of cardiovascular disease. And I'm like, well, what, like, what is the problem? Why are we doing this? And, you know, that's where the whole, my focus in fitness and health and wellness really, really takes off is that we are sometimes our worst enemy because we don't treat our bodies right. We, we decide to eat junk food or we don't work out because we're unmotivated or we don't get enough sleep which is obviously a, an issue of our job, but, you know, the days off, we drink too much. We, we maybe smoke or do whatever, you know, this line of work has serious consequences. And obviously the last few days we have seen that. Um, but we also need to start thinking about the health consequences as well. So, you know, it's something that, that I took a huge passion in and I, Unfortunately, we have one of our, our members right now who uh, actually my driver who is facing cancer. He had he got cancer diagnosis about a month ago and spent an entire month in the hospital and actually got out last week. Um, so, you know, this it, it definitely took a little bit more of a toll on me this this last few months that, OK, we, we really need to do something now. Um, so we're looking at a whole bunch of different ways to start helping helping us in our, our health and wellness and the safety of, of every firefighter on our job and hopefully in the nation. So I kind of went off on, on the rails there, but that's kind of where the tactical fitness came from and, and my passion towards, towards um, health and wellness. Yeah, no, I, I think that stuff's excellent, man. And I, I think you did a great job in, uh, 
in those articles. Now to, to kind of gear this towards something I, I really enjoy um, is you, you did an article uh, for building an engine ready to work. Um, so in this piece, you talk about how fast firefighters uh, or how fast fires need fast firefighters. And you have a line that states the greatest area we can improve is from zero impact time, which is a time from parking brake to water on the fire. Can you talk uh, a bit on uh, about how a well-designed engine can improve uh, improve you and uh, to steal line from Ben Schultz, both our tailboard time and our task time? Sure. Yeah, so this was, we were in the process of building a new engine um, a few years ago. And it's something that, that's, you know, in, in some departments, you know, department close to us, the maintenance division builds the, the apparatus. And they obviously have a, have a focus on making sure it's easy, easy to work on. And that's, that's not the approach we need. We need to provide firefighters with the apparatus and the tools to be successful. And we do that uh, by making sure that we are building things that are functional, um, that firefighters can easily get access to, and they're not climbing around, um, reaching for hose, finding tools, opening doors to get their tools out. You know, we got to reduce that time as best as possible um, and also reduce the chance of injury as well. You know, you see some of those engines that have hose 15 feet in the air. Like, I don't, I don't need to be jumping on a tailboard and up a step with my air pack on to grab a hose just to fight a fire. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Um, so that's where like, I looked at it as like, how can we build the most efficient and functional fire engine that we possibly can? Um, and that's where this, this whole concept came about, you know, getting off the truck, me as the officer, I have my, obviously the MDT is our computer, whatever you guys call it is right there. I can see all the information where the hydrants are, pull up pre-plans, whatever. I have a, uh, the tick, I have my light, my tools by my feet, my Halligan and my little, um, little hatchet ax thing that, uh, that I carry with that for a one man forceful entry that's by my feet and secured in the cab. You know, I, I jump out right on the outside of my door behind the cab. That's, that's where my hook is, you know, everything needs to be functional. And we, we built our trucks based off of, uh, positions that the, the firefighter rides. So, um, you know, the can is right outside the firefighter door, the hydrant bags right outside the, the hydrant man's, uh, door, you know, everything we do, we're in a race against time. We know that people only have so much time inside of a smoke-filled environment. So what can we do to reduce that time, increase our efficiency on the fire ground, and hopefully perform a little bit better? You know, again, as leaders of the organization, it's our job to, to remove barriers and provide resources so our people can be successful. And so that's what, that's what the article is really about, is about how can we build a, build a truck to reduce that time from the air brake hitting, me getting out, grabbing my tools, my firefighter grabbing a, a nozzle, and we bail off to the front door. Obviously from there, you know, it's, it's mask up skills, it's, it's a hose deployment skills, things like that, and those, those base competencies. Um, but the article was really focused on give them the tool, right? Give them the tool that's set up so they can win, not so much so it's, it's uh, aesthetically pleasing or what have you. Um, firefighters put out fires 
not the not the apparatus. So let's do something so firefighters are are more inclined to win because that's what it's all about. It's about winning, and we do that through building efficiencies. One thing I, I one of my favorite quotes I have in there is uh, um, simplicity always works, right? Um, complexity breeds chaos. Simplicity always works. That's why on our engines you're not going to see uh, ladder racks. Um, you're not going to see any big fancy valves or anything like that. It's like, we've tried it. It doesn't work. They fail. Simple. Simple cannot go wrong most of the time. So. Yeah, it was a great piece. First of all, the, the paper copy of fire rescue needs to come back. Um, we sent that article uh, to our apparatus committee and, and not only for the, the practical implications of what you were saying, but, but I think more importantly for like the, the ethos, the overall ethos, like this is why it needs to be made this way. And we actually got some good return on that. And, and some of those things are, 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 are in the pipeline and, and in our future iterations of our apparatus. Uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of those recommendations that you had. Good. And that's, 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 that's exactly why I write those. I'm going to share my knowledge and hopefully somebody, hopefully it works for somebody because sometimes it's not going to, um, you know, like we have a, we have a culture of low hose beds. We have a lot of attack lines off the rear. We have no other pre-connects besides off the rear. Um, and maybe that works for some people, maybe it doesn't. But I liked that you said it's the ethos behind it. It's, it's the why. And that's what I like to provide because everybody can say, well, we do this. But if, if it doesn't work for you, if, or if you don't have a reason why, then I don't really care. So it's good. I also just liked, you know, it's, it's packaged so, so nice and concisely. And that's something that fire rescue always did a really good job of. It's just getting these little bite-sized articles, not that they're, they're, they're power packed, um, but they're not 12 pages long where people get this and like, I don't have time to read this. They're like, <laughs> right. I got seven minutes. Uh, yeah. I got to go to the bathroom anyway. So I'll read this in there. Yeah, right. And hopefully we're building a new engine or a new uh, tower pretty soon. So maybe, Maybe through all of the research and, and uh, configuration of that, maybe I'll come up with the, how to build a tower. I don't know. We'll see. There you go. So a quick little shameless plug for not only yourself, uh, but also Fire Nuggets. Um, but Ty, you're heading to the Eau Claire Leadership Seminar next week. That's February 4th and 5th, 5th excuse me, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, um, which looks like it's going to be a blast. We got Captain Brian McNulty, Chief Mo Davis, and Chief Nuremberg. Uh, also speaking, can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the class that you'll be presenting? Yeah, so the evolution, there is none because this is the first time I'll be presenting it. Um, it's It's been a brainchild for a while. Um, so leading in the fire service, how to build a high-performing uh, team. And so that, this is going to get, we're going to get into the weeds a little bit, hopefully, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but so this is, this is where like my passion of leadership really comes from. And this is something that I, I truly could talk about for hours. You know, if you think about any organization, we're all a team, right? It doesn't matter if you're a fortune 500 company, or if you're a single, you know, two person uh, company that, you know, builds, builds houses or whatever it may be. We're all a team and organizations only succeed when we're able to develop the team appropriately. So that's where I'm, I want to take, I want to take um, leadership and culture and kind of form that with, with the team aspect of things and how do we go about it? So we're going to talk about deliberate practice of leadership and deliberate development of culture, because I feel like some people in the fire service, 
some administrative people, they may talk about leadership. They may have a class on leadership. They may use the buzzword. Unfortunately, leadership and culture is kind of becoming a buzzword in the fire service. It's like, oh, we checked a box. I said, I talked about culture today, but it's not that easy. Culture takes time and understanding and in a true, a true review and, and, um, you know, assessment of the organization. And if we can't do that, we can't really develop a good culture. Therefore, we can't have good teams. Um, so that's really where, where this, where this PowerPoint is going to be going. Uh, I hope, I hope it's, uh, I can make it in the time, time frame I'm allotted. Uh, I did a little practice run yesterday and I think my first four, 14 slides took me like 45 minutes. So I think there's like 60 or 70 slides. So hopefully I'm able to make it through it. Um, we might have to cut some parts out of it, but you know, it's, it's something that I'm truly excited for the opportunity to present. Uh, and hopefully people get a, get a little bit of a different perspective of leadership teams and culture, because this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be your typical leadership class. It's not going to be, you know, most of the books I've read about leadership is be the example, treat people right, you know, be the visionary. Where are we going? Like, that's great, but there, there's more to it. it. It goes a little bit deeper than that. So the, the class is broken up into two parts. Uh, we have leadership, culture, and team development as part of section one. Section two is all application of how to build a team. So we'll talk about goals, and then we'll also give the students, uh, I won't say homework, but give them exercises so they go back to their organization and they can start to slowly build that culture and that leadership within their own department. And hopefully it goes well. Yeah, we're stoked, man. We're excited to, to see this class and, and to hang out with you too. Good. Yeah, looking forward to it, Ty. And yeah, kind of like you're saying as if you can change your tactics all you want, but if your culture and your leadership's not right, like it's just never going to prosper. It's not going to go anywhere. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so kind of, we're not going to make you talk about leadership for uh, hours like you can, but maybe a few more minutes. So kind of who've been uh, some, in, who've been your most influential, um, who've been the most influential people in your life uh, on leadership? And uh, kind of what are some lessons that you've learned from it? So this may sound cliche or not, but um, it is what it is, I guess. The two people that had the biggest impact um, on my life as far as leadership is my dad and my grandpa. Like if you, if you would have to sum them up in, in a single word, um, it's servanthood. Like these Ever since I can remember, my dad and my grandpa have been dedicated to community service and everything that they, they do. Um, they were truly the epitome of, of the community. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny because they, they kind of followed the same path in life a little bit. Um, so my grandpa, we grew up in a small town, a thousand people um, in the town. Uh, my grandpa was the fire chief for a long time. I don't even know how long he's on the fire service uh, for on the fire department there. Um, but he served as a fire chief for several years. Uh, he went on be to become the mayor of our town. Again, I don't know for how long, um, but I know that he was. 
Um, and then my dad took his spot. So my dad was, was, has been in the fire service for 46 years, I think 47 years. Um, he owns his own business. He actually just retired this last year, sold his business. And now he is, he's free to do whatever he, he so choose for the rest of his life, which is well-deserved. Um, but so he was a fire chief. And then uh, he, he's been the mayor of our town since I was in fifth grade. So like over 20 years. So everything that I learned uh, from them has all been about serving the community that you live in. And it's about servitude. He's been a mentor to so many people. He's, he's been somebody that a role model for, for my friends, for my brother's friends, for people in the community. Um, he's, always, he's always there to answer anybody's call. Um, and that's truly what I admire about him and, and the person that he is and how people look up to him. It, it's funny when people will call him any, any hour of the day. And even so much so that instead of people calling 911, they will call my dad to go up and check on somebody or say, Hey, this person needs to go to the hospital. They have whatever going on. Like they don't even call 911 anymore. They just call my dad and my dad will go up <laughs> to the, to the station, pick up the ambulance, dispatch it out, wait for somebody and then drive up there. I mean, that's, that's the, the reputation and the person that he is, is at a, at a drop of a hat, he will be gone to help somebody else. And we've, we've seen that firsthand, you know, our entire life. So he is truly a pillar of that community and, and something that I always look up to and something that I want to emulate, um, in my life, you know, I wish my grandpa was still with us. He, um, he was truly a, the most sincere person I've ever met in my life. He um, would always, always give you a hug when he's seen you. Um, you want to talk about somebody who cares more about you than he did himself. He was, he was it. Um, always a happy face, always willing to, to ask you how you're doing, he gives you a hug. You know, he, um, he was always there no matter what. And, and those are, two people that I cannot thank enough for who I am and, and who have had the biggest impact on my life. Um, the lessons, the lessons are, are, you know, ungodly amount. I can, couldn't even begin to tell you, but just, just the way that they invested in their community is, is truly an inspiration. Yeah, man, I, I totally get it. Uh, you and I actually parallel quite a quite a bit here because my my grandfather was the chief and and my, my dad's a current chief too. So that's couldn't agree more, man. Uh, two two very good people to look up to when it comes to leadership. <clears throat> um, okay, so next thing here, uh, when it comes to the job, uh, what are we as the American Fire Service doing right, and what do you think we could be doing better? Yeah, I think. I think in, in today's fire service, we do have a lot, a lot going positive for us. You know, research has never been, been more, or at least, you know, maybe, you know, with the UL and this studies, like we are exposed to the most information that we ever have. Um, and it's all good stuff. We have more conferences. I think we've ever had in the history of the fire service. There's training companies everywhere. We have a platform on social media that anybody can share any knowledge that they care to. Um, I think that's a huge positive for the fire service. You know, I think the one poor thing we have going on is, is the failure for, um, 
consistent education and, and relevant skills. You know, I think we have a huge, a huge opportunity to truly make an impact um, with how we're, how we're training new firefighters and obviously, you know, exposing them to real proven skills are, are going to be important moving forward. And I think that's, that's something that we all need to strive for and, and keep pursuing in the fire services is, is providing firefighters with relevant information, skills, and knowledge. Because I feel sometimes we get a little bit off into the weeds and, and we have some people who may write a book, but have no idea what's, what's actually going on. You know, take, take XYZ a textbook um, off the shelf that you were taught fire one out of, do they even show you how to, how to move hose in a, in a house, in a structure, talk about an adequate search technique besides grabbing on my boot or something. Like I always tell my students, if you grab my boot, you're probably gonna get a, a foot to the face, like get off me. Right. So I think that's where we need to take the next biggest leap in the, in the fire services is we need to start teaching firefighters proven tactics that, that truly work and not just something that we, or a group conceptualized sitting in a boardroom writing a book. Yeah, well said there. I wanna pull up that thread just a little bit more. So we've identified the problem. It, it's consistency of information uh, across the fire service and it's making sure that people have the relevant skill sets uh, that are being taught to them. Now, if you had a crystal ball and you could see into the future, what would fire service training look, uh, look like and what would learning look like in 10 or 20 years? Yeah, I, I hope that we continue to be tacticians of our of our trade. Uh, I think we are doing a very good job of of truly diving in and, and holding hold to people that um, to people that actually um, you know are trying to progress us forward. We're 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 diving in so deep that we're becoming more knowledgeable. And it, some people may seem it as rudimentary, like why do I care? how thick my, my hose really is or how, how big diameter it, I mean, it's like, it all matters though. If you really think about it, it all matters. Um, so I know technology is going to be a pretty big aspect of the way we train in the future. I personally don't want to put on, uh, those big, big glasses and hold a fake fire hose and practice, practice firefighting. It's not really what I want to do at all. Um, hopefully we stick to train the training ground. Hopefully we do hands-on stuff. Um, I think decision-making needs to be a huge aspect of training. I also think uh, we need to hold a higher standard towards health and fitness. Like, I think that needs to be a huge driving factor in our organization, especially in the American fire service. Cause I know, I know like the European uh, they have, they have standards that they have to meet every year for fitness. You know, for us, we pass one test at the beginning of our year, our career when we're 21 years old and we have nothing the rest of our, career, you know, like we need to have some standards and we need to start taking care of ourselves both physically, um, but also, you know, in our technical competencies as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I hope we start to trend that way. Um, that'd be awesome to see that over the next 10, 20 years. So, uh, kind of closing out, Ty, uh, rapid fire questions here. What is the best class you've ever attended? Uh, so ODP in Pensacola, Pensacola, Florida is always good. I've uh, been there twice and actually just got back. Um, that's always good. Got to throw a shout out to Ma uh, Mafa um, and the work that Jeff does out in Illinois every year. 
probably my two two go-tos for sure. All right. And uh, what's the best book you've ever read? Like I said earlier, I'm not going to give you one. Uh, I'll give you five. Okay. And none of these are fire service related. Um, so if, if that upsets you, I apologize, but, um, mindset by, uh, Carol Dweck is a good one. Um, the culture code by Daniel Coyle, turn your ship around by David Marquette, the mission, the men and me by Peter Blatter. And then, uh, Jeff may have this one. I don't know if you've gotten to this class yet or not. Organizational Culture and Leadership by Edgar Sheen. Uh, that is uh, that is a great book if you want to know about leadership and culture. Um, highly recommended. It's actually one that uh, well you're going to be using for one of your classes here at Waldorf eventually. So that's that's my that's my I have a full reading list um, on Rogue as well if you want to go check that out. But books are my thing, man. I love books. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for all the recommendations there. And then uh, lastly, what podcast do you think we should be listening to? So my favorite podcast is Work Life by Adam Grant. He is a organizational psychologist. Um, so Work Life, he also has a, a spinoff talk, Take It For Granted. Um, and then the second one is the Andy Stanley podcast uh, that talks about leadership. And then, of course, you got to throw out a, a little homage to the fire nuggets podcast again thanks guys for having me on i appreciate it yeah thank you so much ty we really appreciate your time and your willingness to help spread the cure man much appreciated yeah hopefully uh hear from you guys in the future and everybody enjoyed enjoyed the conversation today yeah absolutely thanks ty appreciate it yeah thank you ty